Good morning, everybody. Great to see you today in the house of the Lord. Let's stand together. If you would, if you're glad to be here, can we give the Lord some praise today? Let's welcome the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Great to be here. Great to see all of you, and I'm excited. My heart's full of anticipation for what we're going to experience today in the presence of the Lord. We want to open the service today with prayer, and we have a couple of very special needs to bring to you. Uh, some of you will remember Sister Janelle Johnese. Uh, she passed away this past week, and her funeral is Tuesday. And uh, if you could remember her family in prayer, I'm sure they would appreciate it. And also, most of you will remember uh, Genevieve Howard. Uh, she is in the hospital and not doing well at all. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to anoint a prayer cloth, and uh, Sherry Bunch is going to bring that to the hospital. Uh, for her, and uh, I understand she's being transferred to intensive care uh, pretty much as we speak. So I'd like for us to, while the music's playing, I'd like for us to take a moment to pray. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. We're going to anoint a prayer cloth, and we're going to pray in the name of Jesus that God is going to perform a miracle, and uh, he's done it before, as we heard Friday night, and he can do it again. You believe that today? Thank the Lord. Praise God. I believe it. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Uh, I announced it Friday night, kind of botched it up a little bit, but I've done as much repair as I can. Glad to see Anthony and Brittany here today. And uh, I'm glad to report. Thank the Lord. I'm glad to report that uh, Anthony has been struggling severely with cancer. And just this past week, the doctors have announced that he is officially in remission. And we thank God for that. Anthony, we're rejoicing with you, man. Thank the Lord. So God can do the impossible. Yes, he can. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now, shall we? Thank the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask today, God, that you would minister to Genevieve. You know where she's at. You know all about this. Let's give the Lord praise for hearing and answering, for hearing and answering prayer. Thank the Lord. Let's worship the Lord together. Praise the Lord, church. Has anybody come to magnify the Lord today? Hallelujah. We worship you today, God, for you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. Thank you, mighty God.
let's give the Lord a hand cap of praise this morning. I, I just want to give God some worship. I want to praise Him and thank Him for what He's done. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are so happy to see you this morning. You may be seated if you'd like. We had a wonderful time here of worship Friday night. I, I felt the presence of God. I believe God did miraculous things. I believe God did miraculous things. We, we came here to worship, and I know that we don't worship with one hand out and one one hand toward God. We, we worship God for what he's done before. We appreciate But God is so gracious and so merciful and so kind that when you acknowledge him and you turn your face toward him, he's going to do something in your life. I appreciate that. So that's why we're glad for you here this morning. We appreciate you being here. If you're joining us on live stream, thank you as well. We want, you to, we want your life to be moved by God. We, we appreciate what he's doing here at Grace. Uh, if, you are, if you are inclined to give here at Grace, please remember that you are able to give electronically over our, 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 our website or through your phone, uh, or you can drop whatever you need to in the little box outside in our, in our foyer. We appreciate your giving. There's a few things I'd like to go over with you this morning. March, uh, chap, uh, March 1st at 7.14, we are continuing the United Family Prayer Time at home. Please continue that. And on Tuesday, March 2nd, we'll have our first Tuesday evening prayer in the sanctuary at 7.30 p.m. March 6, March 4th through 6th, we'll have women's conference at the campgrounds in Tioga. And on March 7th, I'm really excited about this, mainly because I get to participate in it. But we're starting Sunday school on Sunday mornings back here at Grace. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad. It's not just for our youth. It extends through our adult. We're going to have two adult classes, so please come here and be fed by the Word of God. I believe great things are going to happen there. And remember, on uh, March 14th, we will have baby dedications. On uh, That will be our baby, baby dedication Sunday. Please contact the church office if you'd like your baby to be dedicated. Somebody say praise the Lord. Ever since I got here this morning, I could not get my mind off a, a certain passage, a narrative in the Bible, and that's the, the narrative of what happened at Jericho when the, the children of God, the Israelites, surrounded that city. I couldn't get, I can't get it off my mind. Those people shouted. They lifted up their voices to God in the face of an obstacle that they could not defeat in any other way. And, and what, struck me, what struck me is that as they were shouting and as the music was playing in obedience to God, there was another sound that they began to hear. It wasn't just their voices raised to God. They began to hear the walls of that city crumble around them. So I believe this morning that as you begin to worship and you begin to praise, I want you to listen for something else to happen. I want you to listen for the walls of the obstacles of your life to begin to fall around your feet. Can you lift him? Can you lift his name this morning? Can you worship God this morning?
Oh, 
think about the God that we serve. Of all the gods that people worship, ours is the only one who resurrected himself from the dead. He's never lost a battle. Even death couldn't hold him down. You talk about a champion. I don't know how many battles he's had, but he's never lost one. He's never lost one. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We rejoice this morning over the manifest presence of the Lord that was here this past Friday night. I want to thank our praise team, our singers, musicians, everybody for making this such a, a, an amazing, amazing night. I don't know how many people walked up afterwards to all of us and said, can we please do this again? I was overwhelmed at the, that's right, thank you. Thank the Lord. And we will do it again. Thank the Lord. But I was overwhelmed with the guest that were here Friday night and uh, thank you for inviting them. Thank you for inviting them. I do know that uh, Sister Nixon was healed Friday night. She's been having just terrible, terrible issues with her shoulder. She's been to the doctor. She's been to the chiropractor. Could not lift her arm up at all. I watched her Friday night as God healed her, having her arms in the air, praising the Lord. Thank the Lord. I don't know how many here today have experienced that, that healing touch. When you've been to the doctor and it didn't work, and God lets you exhaust all of that, and then he steps in, and just like that, everything is fine. That's a pretty cool feeling right there. That's pretty amazing right there. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Remain standing. We want to go to our scripture text today. And... I kind of want to preach a part two from last Sunday. Last Sunday, I preached to you the tragic, the tragedy of a missed opportunity. I dug deep into my file this past week, and the first time I preached the sermon that I'm going to preach to you today, I actually preached it not here, but when we were in Baker on January the 14th, 2001. It's been a little over 20 years ago. There's probably a lot of you here today that haven't heard this. There may be a few here that have, and God bless you if you can remember that far back. If you can remember it, I'm happy because it made an impact of at least 20 years. But my heart is, again, heavy today. There's still folks that care deeply about we're trying to reach and uh, would love to see some very positive response I had a wonderful wonderful meeting with someone this week about two and a half hours and uh, just hungry person that, that knows the Lord through the power of the Holy Ghost and just really really hungry <clears throat> I don't want to call their name some of you would probably know them him and his wife I'd like for us to pray for them as we pray over this message today. And uh, it's a possibility they could be watching today. But there's people in our area, in our community that is really hungry 
to be back in church, to be back where they need to be in the Lord. And there's people here today that are hungry for the same. And I want to extend to you that beautiful and amazing opportunity to come open your heart to the Lord. For those that have been hurt, those that have been burned, I talked to this person again for about two and a half hours. There's a lot of that in his life and his wife's life. And I told him that I'm guilty. Uh, when preachers hurt people, it's really, really hard to recover. I've made many public apologies. I've made many personal apologies to people that I've hurt. If there's people here today, I deeply apologize to you that I've hurt you. But please don't let that stand between you and God. Please don't let that stand between John chapter 19, verse 17. And he, Jesus, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. I want to preach to you for a little while today the privilege of choice. The privilege of choice. Thank you for your patience and standing. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. God bless you. You may be seated. I'd like to introduce you to a day, today to a man named Edwin Thomas. Edwin Thomas. He was a master of the stage. During the latter half of the 1800s, this small man with a huge voice had few rivals. Debuting in the play Richard III, at the age of 15, he quickly established himself as a premier Shakespearean actor. In New York City, he performed Hamlet, for 100 consecutive nights. In London, he won the approval of the tough British critics. And when it came to tragedy on the stage, Edwin Thomas was in a select group. When it came to tragedy in life, the same could be said about him as well. Edwin had two brothers, John and Junius. Both were also actors although neither one of them rose to the stature of their brother Edwin. In 1863, the three siblings united their talents to perform Julius Caesar. And the fact that Edwin's brother John took the role of Brutus was an eerie omen of what awaited the brothers and the nation, the United States of America, as it is now, only two years later. For this, John, who played the role of assassin in Julius Caesar, is the same John who took the role of assassin in Ford's Theater. On a crisp April night in 1865, he stole quietly into the rear of a box seat in the Washington Theater and fired a bullet at the head of Abraham Lincoln. Yes, the last name of the brothers was Booth, Edwin Thomas Booth and John Wilkes Booth. 
Edwin was never the same after that night. Shame from his brother's crime drove him into retirement. He might never have returned to the stage had it not been for a strange twist of fate at a New Jersey train station. Edwin was waiting for his coach when a well-dressed young man pressed by the crowd lost his footing and fell between the platform and the moving train. Without hesitation, Edwin locked his leg around the railing, grabbed the man, and pulled him to safety. After sighs of relief, the young man recognized the famous Edwin Booth. Edwin, however, did not recognize the young man he had rescued. That knowledge came weeks later in a letter. And it was a letter that Edwin carried with him to his grave. It was a letter from General Adams Boudot, Chief Secretary to General Ulysses S. Grant. A letter thanking Edwin Booth for saving the life of the child of an American hero, Abraham Lincoln. How ironic that while one brother killed the president, the other brother saved the life of the president's son. The boy that Edwin Booth yanked to safety that day was Robert Todd Lincoln. Edwin and John Booth, brothers, same father, same mother, same profession, same passion. One chooses life and the other chooses death. How could it happen? How does things happen like this? I don't know, but according to history, it did. Though their story is dramatic, it's not unique. Before I talk to you about the privilege of choice, let me talk to you for a moment about the power of choice. The power of choice. Cain and Abel, both sons of Adam... Abel chooses God, Cain chooses murder, and God lets him. It's the power of choice. Abraham and Lot, both pilgrims in the land of Canaan. Abraham chooses God, Lot chooses Sodom, and God lets him. David and Saul. Both kings of Israel. David chooses God. Saul chooses power. And God lets him. Peter and Judas. Both disciples. Both denies their Lord. Peter chooses mercy. Judas seeks death. And God lets him. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus taught an interesting Bible lesson. He taught an interesting Bible study. He said, we can choose. Everybody say, we can choose. Everybody say, I can choose. You have the power of choice here today. Everybody does. You can choose a narrow gate or you can choose a wide gate. You can choose a narrow road or you can choose a wide road. You can choose a big crowd 
or you could choose a small crowd. He continued on, and Matthew 7, Jesus did, and instructed that you can build your life on a rock, or you can choose to build your life on sand. You can serve God, or you can serve riches. It's the power of choice. You can be numbered with the sheep, or you can be numbered with the goats. Jesus went on to say in Matthew 25, Then those who reject God, the power of choice, those who reject God will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. What you must understand today, it's your choice. You can blame it on anything you want to blame it on or blame it on anybody you want to blame it on. But bottom line, you make a choice. So today, just for a few moments, I want to talk to you now about the privilege of choice. It is a privilege, and I'll show you that in just a moment. But let's look back for a second at our scripture text today, and I want you to notice Calvary's trio. A thief on the right, a thief on the left, and Jesus in the middle. Have you ever wondered why it was just two thieves? Why not six? Why not ten? Why not twelve? Why was Jesus in the center? I want you to notice that in the midst of Calvary's greatest statement of love, in the very middle of Calvary's greatest statement of love comes Calvary's greatest gift to man and that is choice two criminals with so much in common they were both convicted by the same system they were both condemned to the same death they were both surrounded by the same crowd they were equally close to the same Jesus. And as a matter of fact, they both began with the same sarcasm and ridicule. And while we honor the thief who repented, don't forget the one who did not. It's a choice. Does not the shepherd Jesus taught, does not the shepherd leave the ninety and nine? Does not the housewife sweep the house until the one lost coin is found? But in the case of the prodigal son, it was these three parables Jesus told back to back. In the case of the prodigal son, when he's lost, the father does nothing. Because in the three parables, the sheep that the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find was lost innocently. 
the coin that the woman lost was irresponsibly. The son was lost intentionally. He chose to leave his father's house and his father led him. Don't forget the scripture. I mentioned it several weeks ago preaching. But don't forget what Jesus said to the Laodicean church. And as a matter of fact, it applied to all seven church ages. He said, I set before you an open door. You can leave. Anybody that wants to could get up walk out of here this morning. It's the power of choice. You can leave your spouse if you want to. You can leave your kids if you want to. It's the power of choice. And there's nothing that nobody can do about it. God gave to all of us the power and the privilege to choose. There are times when God speaks through the fire. There's time he speaks through the wind and the earthquake and yes, even a still small voice. But sometimes God honors our commitment with silence. I believe we experienced that the greater part of last year, in my opinion. He honored our commitment via silence, letting us make the choice as to whether or not we would stay. Let me share with you just for a few moments this morning things that you cannot choose. Let me show you what you can't choose. In so many areas of life, we have no choice. I want you to think about it. You didn't get to choose your gender. It seems in our society now, somehow you can all of a sudden. It's interesting to me. But when you were born, you did not get to choose your gender. As a matter of fact, love them or like them, you didn't get to choose your siblings. Would you love your brothers and sisters if you weren't related to them? You don't have to answer that now. You didn't choose your siblings. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose where you were born. You didn't choose the race you were born. And sometimes our lack of choices anger us. It's not fair, we say. It's not fair that I was born in poverty. And in my case, it's not fair that I sing so poorly. I was never the fastest runner in school. There was always somebody on the the playground that could outrun me no matter how hard I ran. I wasn't lazy. I gave it all I had. It still got beat. I couldn't out race everybody on my bicycle when I was a kid. There was a kid in our neighborhood I couldn't stand him sometimes because he could always outrun me on a bicycle. Just hate you man. But the scales of life were forever tipped on the side of fairness when God planted a tree in the middle of a garden called Eden. All complaints were silenced when Adam and Eve 
and all of their descendants was given the privilege to choose. You have to understand what I'm preaching today. They were given a free will. There's been occasions when God has overridden the will of man, but it doesn't happen often. Bottom line, humanity was given the freedom to make whatever eternal choice it desires. Any injustice in this life is offset by the honor of choosing our destiny in the next. You can choose today if you want to go to heaven or if you want to go to hell. That's your choice. I grow weary of people saying that God sends people to hell. You believe this, Pastor, today if you don't believe anything else I say. If you go to hell, buddy, you're going all by yourself and it's going to be based on your choice. You're not going to blame the preacher. You're not going to blame me no matter what I did to you. If you go to hell, you're going on your own. You don't have to be lost over me. You don't have to be lost over a church. You don't have to be lost over a preacher. You don't have to be lost over a divorce. You don't have to be lost over any other sin. It's your choice. Well, wouldn't you agree? Let me ask you this question. Would you want it otherwise? Would you have preferred the opposite of what I just said? Where you choose everything in this life, but God chooses where you spend the next? Would you rather God make that choice? It's interesting to me that You can't, show, you can't choose the size of your nose. You can't choose the color of your hair. You can't choose your DNA structure. But you can choose where you spend eternity. It's a privilege of choice. So let me reverse what I just said to you. So perhaps you can choose the size of your nose and the color of your hair and your DNA structure. But God chooses where you spend eternity. You have no choice in the matter. Would you prefer it that way? It would have been nice if God had let us order the life like we order a meal. I would take good health, a high IQ. I could pass on music skills, but just give me a fast metabolism. Would be nice, wouldn't it? But it didn't happen that way. When it came to your life on earth, you weren't given a choice. But when it comes to life after death, the ball's on your court. So now that we know what we cannot choose, let me talk to you for a few moments about what you can choose. I want you to think about the death, the, the thief who repented. Though we know little about him, we do know this. He made some bad mistakes in his life. Oh my, he made some bad mistakes. He chose the wrong crowd. 
He chose the wrong morals. He chose the wrong behavior. But would you consider his life a waste? Would you consider his life a waste? Is he spending eternity right now reaping the fruit of all those bad choices he made? No, as a matter of fact, he's not. It's just the opposite. He's not enjoying eternity right now because of all the bad decisions he made. He's enjoying eternity with Jesus today because of one good choice that he made. There are people here today You may feel you chose the wrong career. There's people here today that feels like maybe you bought the wrong car. I know somebody today very well. As a matter of fact, it's my son and daughter-in-law that bought a car and they've had it in the shop, I think, 11 or 12 times for the same thing. They've come to agree that they bought the wrong car. I know people that have Buyer's remorse when it comes to buying the wrong house. I'm going to be very honest today and not to be humorous. But there's people that I know that ended up even marrying the wrong spouse. They regretted it later. There's a few that's still living with them. Maybe there's one or two here today, I don't know. There's a lot of parents here today that feel like you make the wrong choice in parenting. I've talked to more than one parent that said, I feel like I made a mistake with my kids. I beat up the preacher too much. I beat up the church too much. I didn't serve God as best that I could. And now my kids aren't serving God. There's all these things that goes around. I talk to these people on a decently regular basis. Feel like you made wrong choices in parenting. There's people here today that's still making wrong choices. Perhaps your parents did and now you're doing it the same doing the same thing to your kids. And you'll cry the same tears your parents cried about you and you'll cry it over your kids. And the story goes on and on and the cycle continues on and on. But here's my sermon. Here's my whole message here today if you stand with me. Today, there's one good choice. Out of all the bad choices you've made all of your life, no matter how old you are, no matter how young or old, it doesn't matter. Out of all the bad choices you've made all of your life, today, you have the privilege of making the right choice. There's, there's people here today, <laughs> there's, there's families here today I would to God that it wouldn't take tragedy, it wouldn't take something horrible that you'll just use your common sense there's people here today that's 
you, you've chosen a lifestyle and you know better. You know better. I just wish that there were some husbands and dads here today. I hope there are some wives, mothers here today. It'll determine with all of your might like Joshua did. When he told the Jews, you can go back to Egypt if you want. You can have all of that you want. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What a choice. Oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost rumbling in this building. people here today, if you could have followed me around this past week, you'd understand why I'm preaching the way I am. I've talked to people more than one. Their lives are just in a mess and they're desperate and they're, they're hungry. But for this reason or that reason, for this problem or that problem, because of this circumstance or that circumstance, they just they, they, they just can't choose to do the right thing. They don't have the power. They don't have the ability. They don't have the strength. They don't have the discipline, the accountability to make the right choice. And I know, I know, I know. They say, I know. I know, I know. I know what I need to do. I know where I need to be. I know what I need to give up. I need to know what I need to add. I know all of that. I know all of that. But, but you don't understand I'm preaching to somebody here today. You don't understand. Blaming it and pointing fingers and, and giving reasons and justifications is not going to fly with Jesus. He said, you do unrighteous things and it means eternal hellfire. But if you do the right thing, it means heaven with Him. That only tells me one thing. It's your choice. It's your choice. share a very personal, it's a very intimate feeling with me. It's a, a very intimate observation with me. Never said, I've never said it before. I remember walking onto the campground Tioga. And most of the time I could tell you who was in the pulpit before I walked in the door because I recognized their voice. Brother Tenney was one, had an unmistakable voice, those of you that know him. Brother Tom Barnes, Brother James Kilgore, Brother Billy Cole, I could go on and on. These men had just an unmistakable voice. Jeff Arnold, unmistakable voice. Knew who they were. The Bible said, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And it occurred to me one time sitting at camp meeting that if Glenn Murphy was in that pulpit, nobody would know that voice. It's never been in that pulpit before ever. So I was in that train of thought and I don't know if God did it or if it's just my own thoughts, but the thought came to my mind. Louisiana District wouldn't recognize my voice. 
but there's a lot of people here that do. I get sick of it, and probably you do too. But I want you to hear what I consider now the pretty old pastor's voice because I care deeply about you and your family and your household. I love hugging your kids. I love it when they rush up to me after church and they put them little skinny arms around my waist. But this is what I feel. There's moms and dads here. If you don't, if you don't make a decision pretty soon on making a right turn towards Calvary, your kids won't be here much longer. They're going to choose another life, another path. And you don't realize it, but you're pointing them in that direction. You don't, you don't mean you may not mean to, but your laziness and your inability to be accountable and and your desire to be carnal and do worldly things, you don't understand. I could I could wail here today with all of my might. I remember David and Steve, that their parents never missed anything. They're the most devoted, dedicated, committed people. I think I've ever known in my life. I remember Dave and Steve's dad not to embarrass them or put them on the spot. I don't know how old they were, but every service, even Wednesday night Bible study, he'd pick up both of those boys. When their feet would almost drag the floor, he'd pick them up and down to that altar he would go with them. And here they are. You know why it happened that way? Because he made a choice. There's... There's the house is full of moms and dads here today that have said, come hell or high water, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I can't say everything I want to say today. It's too intimate and it's too personal. But I'm putting my heart out here today in front of all of you that you have a choice. And may I say today, and I'm trusting that everybody here today loves Pastor Murphy and you're going to give me some latitude. But maybe there are some kids that could be here today if mom and dad had made a different choice. You can't control what your kids do. I understand that. But mom and dad, you need to go to bed every night with a clear conscience knowing that I'm doing everything I possibly can to point my kids in the right direction. You have the privilege of choice, not only in your life, but in the life of your small children. So are you going to choose the broad way or the narrow way? I know it's not popular. I'm not stupid. I, I know it's, it's more fun to go out and do worldly stuff and to, to drink and smoke and curse and gamble and do all and just let your flesh just have its way. Just whatever you want to do. There's people that have open marriages. There's people that believe in bisexuality and all that kind of stuff. And the flesh just gloats on that kind of stuff. It takes a man and it takes a woman to see the right way and to do the right thing. It takes a man with a backbone and it takes a woman with courage to stay as for me and my house.
It's heartbreaking when little eight, nine, ten-year-old kids. This happened to me recently. Comes and hugs me and looks up at me and says, "You're my pastor." Their mom and dad don't attend here anymore. Maybe you need to have a conversation with Cain and Lot and Saul. These people that choose the way of the flesh, the way of the world. They're greedy. They're, they're not understanding. Their feelings get hurt easy. And so they choose not serve Jesus. Maybe you could have a conversation with them and see how things are for them. Maybe you could have a conversation with Judas Iscariot. Interesting to me that he felt like Jesus betrayed him, but he ended up betraying Jesus. That's the way to settle the score. You bad to me, I'm going to be bad to you back. No matter what you do, it's going to be based on one simple thing. ask you today, what are you going to do with the choice that's been laid at your footstep, at your doorstep? What are you going to do with it? So much, so much on the inside of me. Let's everybody pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. I'm thinking about people that are dead and they didn't make the choice didn't make it correctly God I'm thinking about people all over this area that got hurt and burned I pray for them I pray for them consistently they won't come back won't go to any church nowhere the pastor burned them so they're all evil they're all wicked we're not going anywhere God I'm thinking about those people but I thank God today that there's people here that even though they've been hurt and burned, they're here. Even though they feel like they've been betrayed, they're still here. They made a choice to be here. They made a choice to come through the door. They made the choice to come have a seat. They chose to stand when the church stands and they choose to sit when the church sits. And they sing with the songs, but now comes a time, oh God, now comes a time for the most important choice. It's not a matter now of standing or sitting. It's a matter of coming forward. It's a matter of coming with everybody else. It's a matter now of coming with those who are already committed. God, will they come? Will they make the choice? I hope they do. The people that are living kind of on the fringe area of the church, they're kind of in, but not all the way. They still enjoy the world and all the sinful things of the world. But today, they're here right now, and you're giving them that power. You're giving them that privilege to make a choice. And I pray, oh God, that they make the right choice today, whoever they may be.
just heard the voice of the Lord today. It goes beyond now listening to a preacher. Now you've heard the voice of God himself. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. As they begin to sing softly, I'm going to invite everybody to come around the front. Would everybody come? And If you want to kneel, if you want to stand, you can do whatever you're most comfortable with. But you have the choice. And today you have the opportunity to come before God, to come.
Show us your glory. 